However, there is a new show on Netflix, I think, that just came out that is about, or maybe it's Hulu. It's called like The Devil Inside Me or something like that. And it's about different people, individuals who've committed murder and said that they were possessed by the devil when they did that. Um, a lot of people are really freaked out by it. I'm a little skeptical. Just it sounds like a convenient alibi. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of possessed by the devil. You're like, what happened, Andrew? You're possessed. (laughs) Want to listen to this Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime and Academia episode ad free? Head on over to our Patreon and join either the ITBR student or the ITBR professor level. Both levels of membership have a seven day free trial. With the ITBR professor level, you also not only get access to all of our video episodes, like listening or watching Scream Part 2, you also get access to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room and True Crime and Academia book clubs. The book clubs are going to each be a one-hour private Zoom. I'm hosting the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Mary DePippi's hosting the True Crime and Academia ones. So if the ITBR professor level, you get access to all of our video and audio episodes, plus our book clubs. And make sure you download the Patreon app on your phone for such an accessible, easy-to-use way to consume our content. Okay, can't wait to see you all on Patreon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby. And before you hear such an exciting episode, I want to remind you all that when I'm not here hosting the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, I am running my small business, the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, where I am consulting with clients. It includes academic writing, consulting, social media, podcast, and expanding your media footprint. So I have clients I'm working on graduate school writing with them. I can work on thesis writing, dissertation writing, essay advice, college admission essays, undergrad uh, college advice, graduate school advice. I also am working on a client's small business right now and expanding her social media footprint. I can work on how to create a podcast with you or how to expand your podcast audience. I also can just help you expand your media footprint in general. So if you're interested in my consulting, I first want to let you all know it is only $30 for the first hour that I work with you on consulting, and then I'll set up a package with you then. So you can email me at ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com, or you could go to our Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. And there's a consulting option under mem- memberships. You can pay the $30 and then I will reach out to you right away and we'll set up a consultation. And then while you're on our Patreon, make sure you join the Ivory Tower Boiler Room and the True Crime and Academia Book Club. Every month, both myself and Mary are choosing books 
for our book club members to read. And we are actually polling our members on Patreon to see what books they want to read. And we're meeting with them the first week of each month. So if you want to join um, the book club each month, just make sure that you join on Patreon. That way I know who's joined and I can reach out to all of you and let you know when we're meeting on Zoom. Okay, so lots of things to do here in the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, and I can't wait to consult with you, join you for a book club discussion, and have you here listening to one of our podcast episodes. Okay, enjoy this episode. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby. Welcome back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room for a very special Really special because if you are on our YouTube right now, we do have a YouTube, everyone, that I put out all of our episodes and you can see our lovely faces. I am actually in a store called The Soapbox in Fort Jefferson Village, my home away from home. It's now my hometown, basically. I've been here for almost nine years. Uh, so that's a long, you know, okay. part of your life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Settled, exactly. Um, and it's such a beautiful village. And um, I love being here in the fall. The leaves are changing. And, you know, I can't wait to see the canopy of all the crisp, like, ember color leaves soon. So I'm joined here with my good friend, Janine, who is actually, what's your title at the Soapbox, Janine? Well, uh, part owner. Okay. I work here with my mom. It's our shop. And actually, this Halloween will be on Halloween itself. Will be 16 years that we're here. So oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, thank behind you. us are thank also you. all of these essential yes. oils this and perfume oils. Um, this is our blending bar. This is so much fun. Um, when you have time, you should really take a trip down to our shop. We can make you a custom fragrance. We could make. Um, you can kind of make out on the blackboards over there. But we could make body products. Anything from showered. And Andrew loves our body products. I do. Uh, we've made a lot for him. But you can. Make anything from bubble baths, shower gels, um, foaming hand soaps. It's wonderful. Everything's all personalized in addition to the wonderful products that we have in our store. But this is a lot of fun. So we thought it'd be fun today to film in front of our apothecary jars. Yeah, very your feel for Halloween. Spooky yeah. and witchy. And I have my Hocus Pocus shirt <laughs> on. Um, shout out to our Patreon members too, who always watch our video episodes. We see you. I always say to Mary, we have our favorites, even though I love you all listening, but you know. If you're you paying for our caffeine <laughs> addiction, you kind of have a special place in our heart. Or my bath and body and bubble bath addiction. So Andrew's <laughs> here often. I'm here a lot. Yes. And we are joined, of course, with our nun right now. She is outlined with the nun <laughs> demonic uh, possession image from the Conjuring universe. But she has the habit on. Oh, yeah. Now it's very scary. scary. We can yes. see the nun. Um Oh, yeah, Mary, go back. You're scaring us. So Mary <laughs> DePiffy from True Crime and Academia. Hi, Mary. Good evening. Hi. Good evening, everyone. Yeah, good evening. Good morning. Whenever you're watching this, good afternoon. Uh, <laughs> so you might want to keep the lights on for this episode uh, because we're really going to delve into demonic possession. And I actually saw these two films with Janine. So this is my AMC theater film buddy. Yeah. Uh, Mary, did you see The Nun 2 and The Exorcist Believer by yourself or with, you know, your boyfriend, friends? Who are you enjoying? My the boyfriend. I, I cannot do those by certain ones. I cannot do by myself. These were ones I was like, I need. 
I need someone with me. So second question, did you drag him with you or did he go willingly? Because so happy. Well, so happy I found a great friend in Andrew, but a fellow horror buddy, because most of my friends do not enjoy horror movies and I have to drag them. So does he enjoy horror movies as well? He does. So like I got lucky. I mentioned it once. And then next thing I knew we were going to see both of them. So good. Good. So like my first question for us, and I really want my mom to see the new exorcist. Um, but my dad, she's like, your dad is going to cover his eyes the whole time. He won't even see it with me. And she's like, but I would love to see it on Halloween. But she said, instead, I think we're going to see the one that you really want to see Janine, which is the flowers. Oh, um, with Leonardo. Yes. With Leonardo DiCaprio. It's about a native American community meets like the white settlers. And there's going to be all this Um, friction. I know we'll find it. I know we'll find Um, it. But I, I want to see that. my first question with the conjuring universe is when did you both like know about the conjuring? Like, do you remember, oh. did you see the first movie? Yes. Okay. So you saw the first conjuring. Did you see it, Mary? A while after it came out. So it took me a minute. Like I wasn't always into horror. Um, I was actually like a very scared person, but it wasn't until like I kind of started diving more into it and kind of figuring out like, like, for example, like my boyfriend was one of the people who actually helped me get over like my fears of scary movies because he was like jump scares are cheap scares. Mm-hmm. And those were always the big ones for me that would get me and always made me feel like I just couldn't watch them. And so like uh, after hearing that, I was kind of like, oh, so that's the cheap. So, so you mean if I can just get past that and pay attention to the, like actually really pay attention to the story and not just like be anxiety ridden of, oh my God, when this, when's the thing going to jump out? When's it going to jump out? You know, I could actually yeah. like really. When's the skull going to come and get you? <laughs> Sorry. I had to. There's a prop next to me of a skull. So I just scared Mary. But um... we're doing Macbeth after this. Yeah. We have other props we might throw at you, Mary. Um, but that's our goal is to yeah. jump scare Mary now. <laughs> but so that's so interesting because, oh, it's called um, for everyone out there, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon mm. is it looks amazing. the Leonardo DiCaprio film. I think it, when does it come out on the 20th, I think? Thanksgiving. Oh, Thanksgiving. Okay. I think on Wait, purpose because of like um, the Native American, um, okay, you know, heritage exciting. and celebrating their culture. Right. Um, but yeah, as you were saying, Mary, so <laughs> like what's so interesting is would you say that The Nun 2 and The Exorcist had that type of jump scare quality or how would you even describe the genre of these films? I mean, there are definitely some jump scares and, you know, obviously like I do feel like that is necessary, you know, that adds to the suspense and the whole, you know, psychological aspect of horror films. So, you know, I always expect them to be there somewhere. Um, but I do think that they were kind of necessary in some ways. Yeah. So were you afraid some, of but... slasher films or were you more nervous about psychological horror when you were growing up? Like, were you more, more scared about Scream, like what we just covered for everyone to listen to on the podcast? <laughs> or were you more scared with like the sixth sense and how that entered into your psyche? Actually, neither. It, for me, it was like the the undead thing that you can't like, how do you kill something that's that can't be killed? 
you know, for me, the unkillable was always what scared me the most. Um, but aside from that, like possession films for the longest time really did like my physical soul, I felt like would be irked after watching a few. Um, but I think a lot of that has to do with like my Catholic upbringing and already like, like just the fear initially of like always being ingrained of like, you know, demonic possession or, mm-hmm. you know, giving into the devil, selling your soul to the devil or whatever. So I think in those ways it bothered me, but then I kind of, as I shifted my views on religion and the beliefs that I held true about religion, it started to like, it just doesn't really bother me anymore. Yeah. Well, this is a good transition into the Catholicism or Christianity in the nun. So, okay. Everyone out there, um, there is an article called the conjuring movies in chronological Mm. order, because I said to Janine and Mary in our talking points that I am hella confused about (laughs) the chronology of the conjuring. Like I have no idea what's happening in the universe. It reminds me of star Wars. Like I just lost, first of all, I'm not a star Wars fan. Yeah. And it's not, you know, star Trek. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) That was an easy joke. Um, but okay. So the nun from 2018 apparently is the first in the timeline. So it says prequel freight fest. The nun takes place in 1952 Romania, um, where, there's a Roman Catholic priest and a nun uncovering an unholy secret involving Bonnie Aaron's evil nun from The Conjuring 2. Um, but this is where we get, um, is it Tessa Farmiga or how do you pronounce the actress's name? Farmiga, I think is how you spell the last name. Far- and I do Farmiga. think it is Tessa. Yes. Okay. The younger. From American the Horror Farmigas. Story, Coven. Yes. Fame. Mm-hmm. Which and the first season, like, actually, she played the teenager yeah. in Murder House, mm. Evan Peters, mm-hmm. you know, girlfriend. Oh, okay. So then technically, so then the nun two would be the second in the Conjuring universe. You would think, except no. I thought that started in 1950. Well, so but then it's... Annabelle creation from 2017 takes place after the nun in 1955, California. So we go from 1952, 1955. Okay. Um, and so Annabelle, um, the story of a doll maker who opens his home to six yes. orphans and a nun only to have an ancient evil released in his own house. Then we end up in the nun too. Sorry. Currently in theaters. <laughs> yes. And it takes place after the events of the nun. It's the third movie in the timeline. The events of the nun too are 1956, four years after sister Irene's first encounter with Valak, mm-hmm. and one year after the events of Annabelle creation. Mm-hmm. But we get nothing about Annabelle in the nun no, too, no, just no. to not confuse the yeah. audience. If you're not already like, what the hell is happening? Um, <laughs> so it's like 1952, 1955, 1956. And actually I wanted to start with this. I thought like, this is gonna be one of my pet peeves of the nun mm-hmm. too. Um, I yeah, I have a few, <laughs> but I also have a good high, a few high points too. Um, it's not, I will say right away, even though these are hot takes, like I, um, absolutely enjoyed my experience seeing the nun too unlike the ha- a haunting in venice which i will not ever watch again in full because like i would see the nun too again right um which is important to say so like i'm being very nuanced about my critique which is everyone's like what the what is your critique andrew no um so 
I felt like you really didn't know what the time period was. Like, I thought it was like 1930s. Or it could have been the 1940s. It had that feel to it. And maybe because it was in Europe, it was a very, it wasn't a specific dress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there wasn't any specific downtown that I could associate with. It was just any place in Europe in the 40s and 50s or 60s. Right, right. I feel like there were also poor areas too. So trying to distinguish like time period would even be more difficult if, you know, they're in a more lower class, which I'm kind of just because like the convent in the first one is like in some like remote area that no one really goes to except that yeah. one guy and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that the opening scene, because I feel like our opening scenes in horror movies, we talked about this Mary with Scream, iconic. What's your favorite scary movie? Mm-hmm. I think one of the best openings ever of a horror movie is so important. Like every opening in a movie is important, but in horror, I think if you don't sell the audience at the beginning, like that to me was what a haunting in Venice just didn't do well is the opening is, Mm -hmm. I don't even remember it. And that's not good. Like Hocus Pocus, we all remember Mm -hmm. them being um, driven out and then uh, hung by the town and like Zachary Banks and his sister. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, and it's not a horror movie, but it is the gothic feel. Right. And I thought the nuns who did an excellent job in its opening. Like, I will say. Oh, I hooked you right away. In the church, the young altar boy, like, what is the spirit that, like, kicks that ball? And that, to me, is the horror I like when it enters your veins. And it has nothing to do with gore. It has to do with, like you said, Mary, what's mm-hmm. behind you? What's lurking within the shadows mm-hmm. and you can't see it so it's the unknown it's the fear of the unknown yeah so like what did you mm-hmm. all think of the opening of the nun too oh it definitely scared you but that's what you mean like it hooked you right away and i to me it is it's the fear of the unknown you don't know what's in the dark and i think that's what gets you when you go home at night mm-hmm. house and it's dark and you open the door and it's a familiar place just like the boy so he was where he goes all the time. He went to go get the wine without giving anything away, but he goes, yeah. you know, he climbs up on that little box mm-hmm. and he goes to get his wine. He mm-hmm. kicks the ball, something kicks it back, but what's behind there? And it's someplace that he is, where he is all the time, but what's lurking? And it could be the same mm-hmm. thing for yourself. So I think that's what makes it scary because then you relate it to yourself. Yeah, and what happens to the priest, I thought oh. was very horrifying. Right, Mary, what did you think of this? I mean, with your Catholic presence Mm -hmm. and your knowledge going to Catholic school, like, did it work in that, like, the the devil already present in this horror realm? It's interesting because a lot of Catholics associate, like, the church and God's house and, you know, priests, nuns, these holy people to be protected in some way or that they you know, are like the church specifically like is a safe place that you should be protected from evil. And I think in theory, a lot of Catholics assume that the devil can't penetrate the church. And I think what this opening did was put that idea on its head because in actuality, what I feel like people also forget a part of like Catholic religion is that God created Satan. God created Lucifer as an angel who then, you know, quote unquote, fell from grace. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's what you think, <laughs> some people say. Um, 
you know, you know, you think, oh, because of that, he can't enter, you know, all of this must be horrific for him. But then it's like, no, he was still the devil. The entity itself is still a creation of God. So therefore, why wouldn't it be able to enter into a church? Say the holy water or the wafer or Mm -hmm. the circle of, I mean, in Hocus Pocus, saw is like, used as a protection and right in vampire lore we have all these protective elements mm-hmm. like you can't come in unless you say like unless ask for permission and you're invited <laughs> in exactly. yeah mm-hmm. but i agree with you mary and right and the nun like think of a figure who's supposed to be celibate um she is a woman of domesticity mm-hmm. she is obedient mm-hmm. um she's like everything uh she's veiled mm-hmm. um hidden in her body and again this is supposed to be a spiritual person but this woman has yeah she has been tainted and (laughs) is a horror show and a fright for everyone who encounters her so i will say again critique i had is i love the beginning but then i turned to janine mary and said oh the boy the boy is now the adult man in the that. I thought we had jumped yeah, we, in time because it really was it just it out. was it just me or did it make it seem as if we had jumped into a like flat did a flash forward moment and now the boy that it was planted in our minds that he now is an adult like what happened to his trauma I was very confused right because right. we're we're brought back to I forget his name in the movie it's okay I'll find him he was in the first nun and plays, you oh, know, Frenchie, the guy that the, I had mentioned, who's the only one who went the caretaker, the, the main yeah. man in the movie. In the first one, I think his name was Frenchie or something like that. Yeah, so, right, something like that. Right. Um, in Romania, wherever it took place. Oh, um, Maurice. Maurice. Maurice, who is French. Yeah, I was. Anyone say, who's yeah, like, there was something. Anyone yes. who's French out there, they'll be like Frenchie. What is Janine talking? <laughs> like, why is she putting us down? No, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. No, no, no. It's not like you said, "Hey, garçon," which means a waiter. And it's no, I did French for eight years. Yeah, it's a rude thing to say in Paris. But guess what they called him in the first. Place. No, you're right. You're right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I no, I thought because I didn't see the first movie, I thought the little boy was Maurice. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this is. Mm-hmm. Why but either so... way, they they paint it that way because, like I said, I saw it and I was just like, "Oh, did that? Like, did he? That. Was this something that happened to him as a child, or like, mm. you know, like I thought the same thing." So, and I saw it. Yeah. So it was a little confusing at times. I thought. Yeah, I mean that the storyline, but it's wasn't... an all girls, right? Okay, so is it supposed to be an all girls? It's like a boarding, boarding school. school in mm-hmm. the countryside of France. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what I Right. Countryside of France. Okay. But our nun, Sister Irene, Tessa Framiga, she is in a convent in like the outskirts of Romania or no, in Hungary. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, like that's where I felt the geography confused me. It didn't help me. Right. Like mm-hmm. I-, I felt like they were trying to do a lot of this distancing between the omen like the devil Mm -hmm. they were trying to really mystify right the spirit of the demon by putting everyone in these geographically distant areas but i actually thought it was a hot mess in my opinion like i would have rather the convent be in france a la 
like Madeline. Remember that series, Madeline? <laughs> like do something more like that. Yeah. And then they're kind of closer in proximity. Right. right. Um, well, I think when the priest sent, um, what was the, I'm sorry, what was um, her name? The nun that came to save everybody. Sister Irene. Sister Irene. Remember when the, when the father said to her, you know, the, the demon is traveling from Romania, he's traveling west or whatever it was, you know, to show that, I guess that the evil was sweeping across Europe. I guess that's why, but I kind of tend to agree with you that it was confusing. Well, it's almost like the witch trials. I mean, mm. I think people always talk about Salem, but actually Salem was um, America, the least impact with the hysteria mm. of the witch trials. It was actually France um, Britain, and I think Eastern too. Europe. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it was more of like where we're getting the nun too. That was actually where more of the hysteria right. came from. Um, so maybe they were trying to mirror, like you said. Maybe. Possession is overtaking Europe, just like the mm -hmm. witch trial hysteria. Could be. There you go. Okay. Well, I guess this is why I like talking about it because it makes me yeah, makes you think. see the analysis mm -hmm. in a different yeah. way. I am here with the co-owner of one of my favorite stores here in Port Jefferson Village, New York. It is called The Soapbox. So Janine said, Andrew, I have these four products you need to get your hands on. It's called Four for Fall. So she's going to go over these four products. I know first you have a soap for me. What is the soap? I, do. I have a soap for you. It is called Apple Cider Shea Butter Soap. It's by a company called Greenwich Bay. And this is a great soap because you can use it for your hands or your body. And it has a delicious apple cider scent. And I think you're actually already familiar with it. Yes, it is Try in it. my shower. I still have it. It lasts a very long time. Yeah, great lather. The lather is wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's just so luxurious. And I love the scent into November. Yes. You know, this apple cider just it evokes so many cozy feelings oh. after the soap we have something that you can add on to yes. in the shower so what is this this is a wonderful wonderful um exfoliating shower scrub it is by a company called primal almonds and it's a sugar whip shower scrub and the scent is pumpkin spice it's a moisturizing sugar scrub so it's tiny little sugar granules and it's something that you would use after you shower twice a week because you don't want to strip your skin of your natural um, oils and your your moisture, but it's wonderful. It just really exfoli exfoliates all that dead skin and leaves your skin very smooth and soft from all the, um, the sugar. So after I use the exfoliant right now, we need to moisturize. So yeah. I know you have a really nice fall body lotion for us. Absolutely. Um, this is just such a delicious scent. This is one of my favorites for fall. It is, the scent is Orchard Breeze. And it's by a company called Michelle Design Works. Um, this is another product that you can use hand or body, hand and body. Um, it's great. You can place it um, on your vanity, just a couple of pumps for your hands or use it on your entire body. But it's shea butter based. So it's extremely moisturizing. Um, it's, it's just wonderful. And the scent is just lovely. We need something more deep for our face. Everyone yeah. wants face masks. And I know that you absolutely love this company and this product. This is one of my favorite masks by one of my favorite companies that we carry and we support. The company is called Farmhouse Fresh and they're right out of Texas. The mask is called Splendid Dirt and it's a nutrient rich mud mask. Um, it consists of pumpkin puree, 
And the benefits of this mask, uh, it's a pore minimizer, a radiance booster, and a skin degunker. So it's an all-around great mask. If you really want a boost of radiance, it brightens your skin and it really cleanses your pores. If they live on Long Island or near Long Island, you know, what is your address uh, for them to come into the store? We're located at 18 Chandler Square in Port Jefferson, New York, right in the village. Um, and if you can't make it, you have to come in because we just have so much fun stuff in here. So many wonderful products. Um, but if you can't make it in, please give us a call. We're more than happy to um, ship any of these wonderful, all any of these wonderful products to you. Um, uh, call us at 631-509-1424. You could always um, reach us on Instagram at the soapbox NY, or you could always um, check us out on our website, soapbox NY. Um, and yeah, there's so many ways to access your so products ways to reach us. And Janine is more than happy. And Mariana, the other co-owner. My mom, actually. Yes. yes my mother. Are so willing to take your orders yes. via phone, via Instagram. And I can't wait for everyone else to enjoy these luxurious products. Imagine that you're riding the Turner Classic movie, Great Movie Ride, in Hollywood Studios. It's in the 1990s. As you're journeying through the Great Movie Ride, you pass the Wizard of Oz, where all of a sudden you see the Wicked Witch of the West ascend into Munchkinland in a cloud of smoke and flames. Well, that's the memory I have with the Great Movie Ride in classic cinema when I was at Disney in the 1990s as a young boy. And ever since that, I was hooked on classic cinema. Well, my friend Christian Garcia, friend of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, has a podcast that you all are going to love. It's called That Old Gay Classic Cinema, and he looks at queer themes in classic cinema, like Vertigo, The Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, Mary Poppins, 101 Dalmatians, Hello Dolly, the list can go on and on and on. So follow him on Instagram at That Old Gay Classic Cinema. You can listen to his podcast on Apple and Spotify. And he also is on the premiere episode of our Queer as Folk podcast, where I'm re-watching every episode of Queer as Folk from 2000. And the episodes come out bi-weekly. So make sure you listen to his episode with me. And he's launching a rewatch show of Smash, where they're putting on a Marilyn Monroe musical. So he's going to be joined by co-hosts, a lot who are in the Broadway and theater industry, and I'm going to be on his first episode. So without further ado, get listening to That Old Gay Classic Cinema. Enjoy. Um, so what do you think of Tessa Formiga? Like, what do you think of her character or her acting? You know, how does she do? Oh, I love her. I think yeah. even though she is at heart, I don't want to say meek, but she is definitely more mild, even tempered when not thrown into demonic situations. Mm -hmm. um, but I also think like that aspect of her, like it, like it's just misleading. And I feel like be like that also misleads the demon in the end. In some ways, that's a good call. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I like that about her just because, you know, here she is like this mild tempered person, but yet she's like slaying demons left and right, you know? Yeah, I thought her acting was the best in my opinion. Oh, I think so too. 
Mm-hmm. I will say, but I do think she's a good actress. I mean, just even in her other roles, but I think she brought that out into this this role. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that Deborah, who plays, um, so now we're in the boarding school, but um, oh no, 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 no. Sorry, Deborah is the other nun yeah. who's played mm-hmm. by Storm Reed. Mm-hmm. I really like her. I know she's like an up and coming. Yeah, I like her too. Though. I don't always like to say up and coming, but she is twenty. Right. Um, she's young. And I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure, yeah, she's in Euphoria. I was gonna say I remember okay. her. She plays Rue's sister. That's right. Um, and I also feel like she's gonna be in more major prod projects soon. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I know that they'll start to cast um more unknown actresses mm-hmm. and actors in horror films first. And then like, yes, we and saw this with Scream Mary. Um, mm-hmm. and then they launch into careers. Right. Like for some reason, horror is the entryway yeah eventually kind of transition which i think i would love to be in a horror movie like i'll be in horror movies mm-hmm. all my life you know um if the paycheck's there right uh, <laughs> that's important but what did you think of the mom and daughter in the boarding school because this is where janine and i had a lot of conversation after an amc at yes we had to shout out the stony brook they just went through a renovation mary and they have that's a cafe mm-hmm. it's just we saw The Exorcist and in the IMAX, and there were only six of us. It was yeah. Really, it was like we had our own theater. Awesome. Yeah, we're not going to say to everyone when we go because I don't want no, everyone to start like flocking. Yes, yeah, so it was our so. private show. And their food is also good too. I had Impossible nice. Nuggets. Sorry, I'm like hungry too. So we'll stop talking about all the food. Um, but what did you think of the yeah. fi- the mother and the daughter? I liked that dynamic. I think it brought. <sighs> like a nice relationship. Like I felt like if her role was going to be the daughter, I mean, was going to be so significant with her being the first one to kind of notice the possession thing, like supernatural stuff happening. It would make sense to have an adult that she related to, whether like literally related, like in this situation or you know, if she just happened to be so close with a teacher. But I feel like also tiptoeing on that, they were kind of like, well, let's just make it a mother-daughter situation and then we can combine this love interest with her and Maurice and then him mm. being friends with this little girl. Like, it kind of, like, that scenario makes more sense in my eyes than to try yes. and make them all separate individuals, you know, with her, with parents, you know elsewhere yeah i can see that did you ever see the movie chocolate no well, no oh, i know you're talking oh my god about you have to see it but i do know what you're talking about juliet juliet binoche mm-hmm. oh my gosh but it kind of reminds me of um she's a healer or in the supernatural talk about apothecary but she <laughs> uses her magic Again, magic in quotes, but she uses it for her chocolate store that she creates Mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because it has that type of mother-daughter bond, Mm -hmm. but as a supernatural element of her like being connected with nature. And I thought they were going to go into that. Mm -hmm. And I feel Mm -hmm. for that. Again, I'm going to disagree a little, Mary. I feel for the actresses because I was like, I knew the mother. She was in the Narnia Chronicles. I thought I recognized her. She's only 34. Mm-hmm. Just to put that out. Anna Poplowell is the um, mm-hmm. mother. Kate. Okay. We get a few Kates in these oh, discussions. Yes, yes, um, but, oh, and her daughter is Sophie? I think that's yes. right. 
Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, yes. Uh, I think it's telling that we really can't remember the mother and daughter's names, but they're so good. So it's not the acting. No. It was, I kind of wish there was something mystical to the mom, like magical in the mm -hmm. chocolate way. Right. Because it could have strengthened her understanding of possession or even given us a little more umph when Maurice is possessed. Like I would have liked her to be a little more active in helping end the possession. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of just really do anything. Well, remember I yeah. kept saying to you, why is she always running around? And it's as if the school is um a whole country like that no one can find each other right. and i'm like how yeah. big is this school and also why aren't they leaving the school like they're it, in a town just, exactly it just everybody stayed yeah. there we left no it was there was it. an evacuation scene i will give them that they did have okay. that that's however true. that's though, true but they still kind of what happened really with these kids well and like i kept saying to janine it was as if in the script it just said move from this room to that room and don't explain why yeah. you're moving Right. They kept running around with their heads cut off. I was like, you know, not literally because that could have happened. But yeah. Um, yeah, right. Well, and how about that room? Right. What was the room where all the tragedy happened with the, the headmistress's son? Yes, the chapel. the chapel. But what did you think of the chapel being padlocked? Like, what did you think um, of why people kept entering the chapel, even though they knew what was lurking in there? Then the goat in the stained glass window. <laughs> oh, yeah. The I yeah right I mean yeah I found it interesting more on like philosophical religious levels um just because I feel like historically the catholic church is great at excluding people so like in mm -hmm. some like some just because it seemed like Sophie was like a child born out of wedlock because they never really say who Sophie's father is or what the situation is but yeah. I always got the vibe that like it was something on the scandalous side or slightly scandalous. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the idea that it was locked and that she was the one to be able to get in, I found to be interesting. But yeah, that's kind of how I took it. And I was kind of like, yeah, of course, they're locking up the chapel. I mean, that's just on par with what they do. But um. Also, like the fact that it was such a source of tragedy, I mean, given everything that's happened with the news and the Catholic Church over the past like <laughs> couple decades, also felt fitting for that as well. Like, yeah, why would you want to go into a place of such tragedy? Yeah, wait, because for everyone out there again, what has what happened to her son in the chapel? There was a war. I think it might have been World War One. Because I don't think we're at World War II territory yet. No, we are. We are. We this are. Okay, so maybe it was. Yes, okay, so what? Maybe it was World War II. Some sort of missile or something. I feel like it was something war related came in through the church, and her son, who was an altar boy at the time, was in the room that the missile like hit. Mm -hmm. And so he got killed that way. Um, at least that's what I think. No, but I know right. it was like he died in that church in the chapel well, well and this is where i will say the nun too i thought they did a great job in terms of the right the nun spirit i'll call it the de the de mm. demonic spirit that the nun possesses right can actually shape shift and yes. like take forms mm -hmm. of the bodies almost the way you would think a zombie could mm -hmm. i guess 
like it, it was kind of like a zombie body, like mm-hmm. because the person thought they were actually talking right to a full dimensional yes. person. But then almost in Stephen King's It, we see a scene like that where mm-hmm. um, Beverly like thinks it's her father, but it's not. It's the demon or it's the neighbor. And it just like tries to attack you right away. So I thought when the boy, when the son appeared to his mother was really frightening. Like I thought that worked well. Yes. I thought anytime it shape-shifted, they did a great job. Like, I mm-hmm. thought that was the highlight. Definitely good points in the film. Yeah. yeah. I just thought the script was... I could have used more depth with the relationship. Like, it wasn't the possession. The possession, I thought... That was there. Freaked you out. Yes. Like, that's what would keep mm-hmm. me seeing it mm-hmm. again, is the possession. But, like, we talked about Mary. In horror movies, you can only have people rewatch it so many times without them um, being exposed to the fear. Like mm-hmm. it's going to get old after a while. Sure. Like, you know, it's yeah. coming. So you do need a good script. Oh, definitely. Like that's we why we watch screen. It's mm-hmm. a good script. Um, okay. So what didn't work for you, Mary? I want to hear what you want to critique in it. Well, I mean, like with most Catholics, they cherry picked a lot of things. Um, St. Lucy's story isn't 100% oh, yeah. accurate. Um, no one really knows what happened to St. Lucy. It, it seems like the whole notion of her eyes being gouged out came from the art that was depicted after her death. So it's not necessarily confirmed if that happened. The legend, I mean, or at least what has been checked was that she was betrothed to someone. She didn't want to get married. She wanted to stay a virgin and devote her life to the poor, you know, but she didn't really have that say. So this guy wanted to marry her and she was just like, yeah, no, not doing it. And he, because of the type of government they were living in, it was a very pagan society. They had a pagan empire. So because she was Catholic, he ratted her out, basically. So the part that, like, she was killed by pagans, that is somewhat accurate. Um, but it's the it's how. And, you know, were her eyes actually gouged out? And if so, was it self-inflicted? Because at that point, she was kind of going to be, like, forced into prostitution, essentially. So some say that she did that in order to make herself less appealing, which is a very common thread amongst Catholic uh, female saints. A lot of them do disfigure themselves in order to make themselves less attractive for that reason and say it's for that reason, even though God wants you to respect, like, even though they say respect your temple, but my tattoos are the problem, but yet you're literally disfiguring yourself because whatever that's my gripe i'm not gonna go on well it's an issue about female sexuality so yeah Um, that or was she tortured and they took them out however do i think that that really happened and that you know like in this movie they found her eyes no oh wait (laughs) and isn't the headmistress's eyes gouged out yes Mm -hmm. we get actually we get eyes gouged out in both films yes so Mm -hmm. Why do you think, yeah, why do you think eyes being gouged out is such a, um, like, the devil really wants to take away your sight? Like, what's the metaphor behind this? 
because faith is seeing is believing without seeing. Mm -hmm. And if you take away the site, like it's almost like, oh, well, you, you know, because most of these instances come in a time of like, and you still believe in God type of like some sort of that type of power challenges there usually. So it's more of like, oh, well, if you believe, then you don't need to see. Mm-hmm. Or at least that that's how sense. I interpret it, you know? Are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> Sorry, I had to, everyone. It's Dr. Andrew Rimby. Happy spooky season and gothic and horror. Just all the vibes. I am so excited to talk about Broadview Press, who you might know helps sponsor our podcast. They're an independent publisher in the humanities since 1985. Did you know they have so many horror novels that you need to get your hands on? They have Frankenstein, of course, by Mary Shelley. They have Dracula by Bram Stoker, one of my favorites. They have The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson, Edgar Allan Poe's Poetry and Tales. Oh, they just have so many gothic novels that you all need to soak your teeth into bob your teeth into (laughs) some kind of halloween metaphor is appropriate there they also have academic books like dr jeffrey andrew weinstock's the mad scientist guide to composition so if you're a writing professor out there you need to get your hands on that and they also have a gift package called mystery horror sensation which if you don't know what to choose just choose the mystery horror sensation gift package just a reminder You get 20% off on broadviewpress.com, link in our show notes. Just use the code IvoryTower, all lowercase. IvoryTower, 20% off all your books on broadviewpress.com, all of them. I can't wait for you all to hear our next Broadview Press guest. It's coming in November. And definitely when you buy one of their horror or gothic novels, or books, just make sure you tag us on Instagram at Ivory Tower Boiler Room and tag them too at Broadview Press. I know they'll love to share it. Okay, everyone, be careful if you're reading in the dark. I don't want you to get too scared. Turn a light on. Bye, everyone. Hi, did I mention that it's spooky season? This is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and guess what? I have so many Halloween and fall designs and crafts in my apartment. And guess what? There is a person who's made me so many Halloween horror fall themed items. And her name is Mandy Bengal. She owns Mandy Made It, a craft crochet company. So Mandy talked to me and said, Andrew, I want everyone out there to know that if they mention ITBR and that they heard my ad, that I will give them a free ITBR t-shirt. So make sure you mention ITBR. An order from Mandy, crocheted pumpkins, that she actually is using cinnamon sticks as the stem, which is a brilliant idea. How cozy. And also filling the pumpkins with potpourri. I already want to wrap myself in a blanket. She has Halloween keychains, other Halloween crochet designs. So how can you reach out to her? Go to her Facebook or Instagram at Mandy made it reach out to her. She will ship items out to you. If you live in the South New Jersey, Philly area, she'll arrange to have you either pick it up or deliver it to you. So 
Mandy just makes such beautiful crocheted items. And I'm so happy that she supports the podcast. I've known Mandy since I was a child. We were in theater camp together. That's how I met Mary. So the three of us have known each other a long time. Okay, head over to Mandy Made It for your handmade crocheted items for this Halloween and fall. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, though, um, the hen mistress is killed. Unlike, mm. you know, Chris in The Exorcist, Believer. Like, thankfully, she gets to live. Mm -hmm. um, but, I was about to okay. be really upset if they brought her in and then we're going to take her, her out back. I was like, then why bring her on? I know. <laughs> well, okay. So our last... Um, I think we hit everything with the nun. I mean, yeah. I don't have anything more to say. Does anyone Ooh, else then... have anything more to say? Okay. So... Let me change my background. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Another yeah. one for the exercise. I'm so I'm excited. excited. I was like going to tell you, Mary, to change it to the films, but you were very intuitive about, you know, She's ahead of us. you know, you know, the game and you know, the task here, um, <laughs> you picked up on the theme. So, okay. Well, I'm just going to get to the exorcist questions. So I just wanted to start first. It's not called the exorcist number, whatever. Like I didn't even know there were so many sequels. Yeah. There's like the exorcist two heretic. There's like exorcist three. Um, oh, okay. We have the demonic children. Um, both of them. So why is it called the exorcist believer instead of a number in your opinion? Like, what's to this? In my opinion, I think it's mainly has to do with the non-believers. Because you can see in this film, the non-believer, really the non-believer, I would argue there's more than one. But, you know, they've then become the believers because of this situation. Mm -hmm. Well, and let's start with that. Right away, we have a great, in my opinion, opening scene. We get incredible because i had no idea where it was going that's what i like right. i was like oh okay we're in haiti what's happening he's a photographer he's with his pregnant wife right. this is beautiful mm -hmm. they're on vacation and then oh the real life you know haiti earthquake like that they actually drew from historical right. the mm -hmm. historical past which is pretty recent like yeah. something that didn't happen too long ago that people remember right and that they connected that to um like to the possession of sorts mm -hmm. i mean right it's not quite clear how the possession is going to happen from the beginning and i liked that like i liked mm -hmm. knowing how we didn't know we knew that the daughters were going to be possessed but we didn't know how the source of what was going to happen mm -hmm. so i kind of liked that the opening was more about family strife and sadness and tragedy mm -hmm. than it was here's the devil well didn't you think for a second when the woman was saying the prayer over the pregnant woman's belly i thought it was gonna have something to do with that with the, with the possession yeah i thought like, they were the cursing her exactly exactly for a second but i'm like no that would be too easy to do it right in the beginning of the movie and i think they knew that we would be thinking that yeah. and they were so then I throwing us off the scent all the time it. but in the beginning for a split second i thought that yeah mm -hmm. Yeah. And can we just say how amazing Leslie Odom Jr. is in this movie? Like the actor mm -hmm. and oh, this cast. That That's my main thing is this cast, unlike the nun too, in my opinion, 
WizCast showed up for the assignment. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. they were ready. Mm -hmm. Jennifer Nettles as the mom, amazing. Yep. I Ann Dowd from The Handmaid's Tale, mm -hmm. like as the neighbor. Yep. Everyone. I mean, Chris very good. Ellen Burstein coming back. We get a Linda Blair reconciliation at the mm -hmm. end, which I thought was wonderful. Yeah, I was actually, unlike The Nun 2, I cried in this movie, which is a good horror movie, in my mm -hmm. opinion. Like, if you can evoke sadness mm -hmm. and optimism. Like, we get both of these at the same time. But, okay, so, you know, highlights, Mary. Like, what was something in The Exorcist Believer did you come away with that you're still thinking about? I really liked how instead of because I feel like in every other exorcist movie, we just focus on Catholicism and, you know, the right of or not the right of, I should say, but like the ritual of a rex of an exorcism. In this one, we got different religions and different type of cultural rituals that are also similar. And I love that because deep down, I truly believe like we all believe or worship the same entity we just call it different things so to see that come into what is normally predominantly a catholic thing i thought was really cool yeah yeah here's my if i can put my yeah, you know education hat on i think even the title at the exorcist believer you're putting two contrasting ideas together. Like the exorcist is not an exorcism, right? I like, I know that seems simplistic, but the exorcist is the person who actually exercises the body. Right. It's a profession, right? Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be a priest. I mean, in the first one, it's the priest. And I rewatched the first one. Um, first, the Georgetown scenery is beautiful. I, for, I forgot that like she lives in this amazing right. house. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, amazing, beautiful. Um, and that the priests, both of them die. One like jumps out the window because he's so. Oh, the um, the demon takes over his body. Like that's how it gets out of Linda Blair Reagan's body. Mm -hmm. Um, but then like the older man just dies, I guess, from a heart attack. I don't know. Right. Um, I have to say, rewatching The Exorcist after seeing this new film, I'm like, oh wow, the original Exorcist is not frightening at all. Am I? It's very cheesy to right. me. But like that's my twenty twenty three eyes. Right. Exactly. But at yeah, that time, time, no one had ever seen an exorcism in a movie. Exactly. Yeah. So like I get how groundbreaking mm -hmm. it is. Um all of that's to say is these two the titles, I actually think are two separate movies. Like Believer is our beginning movie with Haiti and everything. Okay. And mm -hmm. him being agnostic and having lost his faith mm -hmm. with the death of his wife. Right. And then once Tubular Bells, the music comes in mm -hmm. and he has to find Chris McNeil and we hear, you know, okay, um, I can't do it justice, but he's on the bridge and mm -hmm. the theme song comes Very back. Funny. Then we're mm -hmm. in the exorcist territory with Chris McNeil and him having to seek her out. Mm -hmm. That it, you know, intersects together and i thought that was really clever using the mm -hmm. theme song as yeah, him yeah. starting to open his eyes mm -hmm. to you know what maybe there is evil spirits and i need to do justice for my daughter by actually um not just listening to um 
those around me mm-hmm. thinking that she has psychiatric issues, but actually mm-hmm. like going back to the source of this evil. Right. And yeah. And I what thought I'm... that was the best part. Yeah. yeah. What I liked about both, like him and the other parents were that they were definitely both groups. Like they were definitely people who would do anything for their children. And I think that also has like is a driving force behind the switch in his beliefs. Right. Yeah. But also with him, like getting back to what we were saying about like believers and non-believers, his belief, just like taking up what you were saying, Andrew, I think too, his belief, like remember when the part when they were all saying prayers and everything over the children and trying to get the spirits out. The part, the part that stood out to me the most in the movie was when he knelt in front of his daughter in particular, and he was saying, come on, Angela, I know you're in there. You could do this. It was him believing in her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes, him believing in the religion again and that the spirits are there and he could do that, but his belief in his daughter in particular, I thought that was another aspect of belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and unlike the in, first- In her, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. well, it's her individuality and like- Speaking directly to her, you're right. Because everyone else, like they from their it, like, general, from their own religious perspective, yeah. they're giving their own prayers, right. and thinking that's going to exercise this demon. But he wanted to draw her out. Mm-hmm. It's about her agency and freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that kind of struck me. Yeah, you're right, and I think that mm-hmm. we um, remember Chris never sees Reagan's exorcism. Right. Unlike this, yeah. where I right. thought it was so important that they took it upon themselves to do, to do the exorcism, yep. like yeah. as a community. They're because gonna... the priest then even said he wouldn't. And he remember he said, you know, then we're doing this without you. Yeah, because I saw criti- critiques of this film that I totally disagree with that. And again, you could, mm-hmm. you know, disagree with me, which is fine. That's your prerogative. But I, some people didn't like that the daughters were strapped. Like they thought that they should have been more... Um, like causing harm to the people by jumping on them and um, bloating more. And I thought actually them being strapped, what was so frightening is when that priest is actually, right. remember they like use what yeah. happens to Reagan in the first film against the priest like, yeah. oh, and his head snaps and turns around. But unlike Reagan, who's possessed in the first mm-hmm. film, can turn her head around mm-hmm. in a 360 degree way. Right. And, and she wants to turn actually, out alive. <laughs> yeah. The priest can't do that because he actually has, you know, a spine and it snaps. Right. Like I thought that was what was really scary is mm-hmm. they were like using their own original film. Exactly. And turning it on it. its head. Yeah. Part of the fun. Yeah. They subverted the original film. And I'm like, mm-hmm. even with the theme song, they knew what they were doing and it was just beautifully executed. Mm-hmm. Like, again, what did you think, though? Because Janine and I literally gasped when Chris went into Catherine's room where she's been possessed and what happened to Chris in that room. I had a feeling something like that was going to happen. I mean, I loved it for the badassery of Chris just being like, I know who the fuck you are. Mm -hmm. Like, we've done this before. We've done this dance. Like, let's do this. But at the same time, I feel like in a way the demon was like, no, you fought your fight already. This is someone else's turn. You need to take a seat. Which also could have been, you know, the demon just being like, well, this bitch knows what is going on. So let's just get 
right get her out because she doesn't need to be telling secrets of how to get rid of me kind of a thing even though but also if she never was there for the exorcism she i thought what was interesting is like she actually um is that courageous to fight off the demon mm -hmm. and the devil and like she's going to um be alone with the devil and face it head on like you said mary um but i agree with you i think that because she already been with Reagan and seen the distress that her daughter was in. Um, it's almost like she's been depleted, or like she can't do. You can't have one mm -hmm. person exercise the devil from someone's body. Right. Like, the devil's power is too strong. And um, I also think it plays to like the the fact that the devil plays games. Like I feel like he was just like, I'm just not here for you this time. So like you're not playing this game this time. You're not like, part of this movie. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Like, in a way, I thought, yeah, you know, you're not in our storyline right now. And I mean, thank God, though, that Chris, like we said, survived. Well, yeah, um, thank God. And I thought like her being in the hospital, like she could still feel the power, right? Yes, the lights are flicking. Right. I mean, and, dead, definitely. Like I it thought, powerful. yeah, I thought that that's where the scenery in my mind worked is we didn't really need to know unlike the nun where they're trying to always tell us where they are mm -hmm. which actually i felt more confused when they're telling us where they are we didn't have to tell us that she was in georgetown or at the beach or wherever she was i don't even think she was in georgetown i don't know where chris's house was right. it was beautiful right but um could have been myrtle beach i don't know um but it, it worked that i thought they were in Georgia somewhere in a rural kind of small town industrial area. We don't need the specifics all the time mm -hmm. in the horror genre. Like yeah. it's okay to feel uncomfortable like with where they are. Like, because I felt that in the exorcism, in the exorcist believer, right. it was more about the people, not the scenery. Mm -hmm. It was about part of everyone. I was just going to say, I think that's why, even though Chris is in the hospital, I think that was also part of the point of this film. One of the reasons I think they killed the priest off was because I feel like, again, in the Catholic and Christian community, the priests, the pastors, the leaders of the church, they're seen as the ones who are supposed to lead you through these difficult times. But no one ever focuses on the community aspect. And it's really the community of people that really are what drive, you know, everything that the church is. And that's really what is a healing source for a lot of people is knowing that they have community. So I think the fact of Chris coming in, even though she couldn't be a part of the actual physical exorcist, the fact that there were things happening around her just said that she was there in, you know, it sounds cheesy, but like she was there in spirit. You know, even though she wasn't physically there to fight, you know, her thoughts and everything were there. Well, her, her eyes are still with the devil, technically. Mm -hmm. Like, that's where she lost her vision. So now she yeah. has to rely on the sounds of the power of the supernatural. Like, right, her intensify, her, the intensity is now in the auditory realm. And like, mm -hmm. we get that when she's observing what's happening in the hospital around her. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But you like really helped me figure out why I am more 
annoyed with the nun too is because it's operating in a system of religiosity that I just don't agree with anymore in our current moment. Like I thought that the exorcist believer mm -hmm. is saying one religion is not going to get us out of our current cultural strife mm -hmm. and our division in our societies and in our country um, and the world, right? I mean, what's happening in the global politics? Mm -hmm. People are really distressed and it is dehumanizing. It's frightening. It's upsetting. But what is going to bring us together? I said this to Janine literally after we saw the movie. Yeah, we just had this discussion. I said, we need our community to come together. Like we need peace and love has to happen from ourselves, not from the mm -hmm. church. Like you mm -hmm. thinking the church is going to solve, the church politicians are going to solve your everyday issues. Better think again, because you're going to be waiting forever. No one solves your own dilemmas, except no. coming together as people that you see every day. Like, me being in a small business right now, I'm a small business owner. We need to help each other. Mm -hmm. That's And that's what I thought the exorcist believer, they got it. Mm -hmm. It's bringing people together. And he actually is the one, like you said, Janine, he's talking to his daughter, Angela. He's going to find the humanity. He's going to mm -hmm. find humanity within a body that has been so disfigured by the devil or a demon. Mm -hmm. He still sees her humanity, though. I don't mm -hmm. think Catherine's parents see Catherine. No. They see what Reagan yeah. looks like. They see the devil taking over her body. But yeah, they don't see the daughter. Yeah, I think they see the version of their daughter that they know her to be and not who she is. Mm-hmm. So... Well, how about when the father screams out, I save you, Catherine? I mean, to ever kill someone in a movie fast. First of all, I called it from the beginning because if you know anything about exorcist movies and just, again, my upbringing, devil plays tricks and mm -hmm. you don't fight fair. Usually, you know, like it's never a fair mm -hmm. fight. It's always do you give in to the temptation or do you stay away? Mm -hmm. you know and this was one of those things he said i'm gonna present you with the choice i just want you know for me i don't think i you know again if this was a true you know real thing i think that had that not happened they both would have survived because if you're not going to choose and you're not going to play his game then what fun is it that or he was going to kill them both i was like they're either both could be alive or they're both could be dead if no one says anything but the fact that he said something, it was just like, you know, you just made the devil's day. Now he's like, oh, I get to take someone, which I don't believe. But like that, that was his thing. That well, was awful. Do you think? No. In a way, though, the father is totally um, betraying Angela and not viewing Angela as a human being. Absolutely. So in a way, the devil is actually calling out the father and mm -hmm. saying, you're an asshole yeah, and you're now going to get punished. Punishing I'm punishing you by taking your daughter into yeah. hell. Yeah, but then poor Catherine, she didn't do mm -hmm. anything. I know. I know. And the scene where she's taken under, oh, like thinking she's that she's- for her mother. And she thinks she's back. I know. Like in that underground tunnel. I mean, that was such good visual. Yeah. Cinema, the cinematographer. Oh, it's terrifying. Was it was the scariest part of the fuming. movie. Fuming. It was scary, but it was I as soon as I saw and realized what was happening, I literally got so angry because it's one of those because you can tell 
that this was kind of the parallel that they were putting. Mm-hmm. Angela was given the protection, you know, spell, whatever, in Haiti. Right. So in some way, that's kind of like a baptism. Whereas Catherine, who was supposed to be getting baptized, is never baptized, and now her soul's dragged to hell. Mm -hmm. I personally do not, you know, I was taught that God loves everybody. He wants to say, you know, he loves all of us equally. We are his children, blah, 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 blah. So you're really trying to tell me that because some dude that decided he wanted to be a priest rubs some holy water and then some holy oil and says a few words that that's going to save you from eternal damnation. So you really expect me to believe that an innocent creature, you know, an innocent baby, an innocent child is going to go to hell just because that didn't happen. Like, get the hell out of here. I can't even with that. Like, that irks me so much. LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? Or have you been moved by an LGBT book, film, painting, television show, or other form of media? Then the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie. In addition to the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog. So you can see all of this on glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. Remember, you get 50% off your subscription of the GL Review magazine when you use the promo code ITBR50. That's 50% off your print or digital subscription when you use promo code ITBR50. To learn more about submitting an article for the GNLR, Visit their writer's guidelines. The link is located at the bottom of their homepage. And if you have any questions, email Stephen Hemrick. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot H-E-M-R-I-C-K at glreview.org. The GNLR and its readers can't wait to see what you have to say. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I'm so excited to shout out the Gay and Lesbian Review, who is helping to sponsor the ITBR podcast. For all of you out there, the Gay and Lesbian Review is a bi-monthly magazine where you can discover new things about gay and lesbian literature, history, and culture, and the GL Review publishes essays in a wide range of disciplines, as well as a slew of reviews of books, plays, and movies, and a number of special features, such as artist profiles and their popular art memo column. Each issue of the magazine brings you consistently intelligent, lively, thought-provoking articles focused on a unifying theme. For example, their September-October issue centers on the theme, Cracking the Closet. So, starting the 19th century, a number of artists and writers found ways to crack the closet by expressing their sexuality between the lines or in the interstices of their work. For example, Ignacio Darnad, who is a friend of the ITBR podcast, he's been on our show, writes all about illustrator J.C. Leyendecker, whose work for Ivory Soap and Arrow Collars gave him plenty of opportunities to draw pictures of well-dressed and at times scantily dressed American men. And you also can find an article by Vernon Rosario, who has been on the podcast, and he talks about the quest for sex in the Middle Ages. So 
to subscribe, visit glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org. Click subscribe. So on their website, go all the way over to the right-hand side and you'll see the button subscribe. Click subscribe and enter the promo code ITBR50 because you're getting 50% off your subscription to the print or digital edition of the Gay and Lesbian Review magazine. I can't wait for you all to have your copy of the Gay and Lesbian Review magazine and make sure that you take a picture when your magazine arrives or when you're reading it online and tag the GL Review on Instagram and ITBR and we'll share it out in our stories. Enjoy your reading, everyone. To yeah, my but core. I don't think that's why she's dragged to hell, though, is because she wasn't baptized. I think that's why they think she's dragged to hell or even why she was possessed in the first place. Right. Because Jennifer Nettles character says it's because she wasn't baptized. Right. But yeah, no, I think it's because, you know, whatever source they encountered. This is where it really reminds me of what happens in Talk to Me, which again I think has been one of I it's one of see that. A, such I a good movie. I can't wait until you both see it. You have to let me know. It's okay. oh, very very freaky. Um like it plays around with your head a lot, which is what I like in horror. I thought it's because these two girls they have a friendship that Catherine's parents don't even understand. Right. Like, I thought there was something happening with race relations here mm -hmm. that was never spelled mm -hmm. out, but it's definitely there. Like an underlying. Mm -hmm. Like, Catherine's parents are mm -hmm. not accepting. Yes. Like, they judge the father. At the hospital. Mm -hmm. They judge Angela. Like, our daughter mm -hmm. was friends with your daughter. Mm -hmm. Like, there's something happening here that um, the devil, like, to me, the devil is a commentary on our politics and our culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you're not accepting or understanding. I'm taking you to hell. Right. Not mm -hmm. the daughter, but the daughter is a proxy for the parents and the right. community of hatred and vol volatile behavior. Like she's a pawn. I mean, if anything, Catherine's now partying up in like the disco inferno. Which, yeah. I mean, hopefully Catherine has fun. <laughs> That's all I can hope for. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think of the parents' aftermath when they're meeting up at the cafe? Oh How's the father ever going to live with himself? So do you think the father now blames himself? Oh, I do. Even if he doesn't show it, like, he kind, like feeling kind of see glimpses of it, but it's not, like, overt like you would think it would be. But, yeah, no, I think he he feels guilty because I think he know, like he knows at this moment. Like, he knows by him saying that, he essentially damned his daughter to hell and he yeah. knows that he should have followed the agreement from beforehand, which was to keep the damn mouth shut and not and say a thing. Blame him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like the wife though, coming to him at the restaurant, mm -hmm. just show she forgives him. reconciliation. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I will say, um, well, the father's played by Norbert Leo Butts, who's an actor um, from Broadway who was actually Fierro in the original Wicked. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's another witch theme there. Mm -hmm. um, but I did love when Ann Dowd took it upon herself and she's like, well, I don't need the priest. I'm going to. Yes. This is my calling now. This yes. is why I'm here. Like, she's so strong. I do think it was like you said, Janine, it's about people finding their power. Mm -hmm. And this is where like I didn't even think this was Christian. Like, I don't know. I didn't see this movie, even though 
it's supposed to be religious. It to me, it did not. It was always like having us question religious doctrine. Mm -hmm. Like maybe we don't need one God or like maybe we don't need to be in one religion because then it starts to separate us as people. Mm -hmm. And that's where I thought the father was coming in to like when all the religions came together, even what would you call her? A spiritual healer? I don't She was kind of yeah, like- I mean, the, I'm yeah, I'm not sure if there's like a particular, you know, name for it or if there's certain types of rituals or what have you like in Haiti about that specifically. Um, but yeah, like she definitely seemed to be some sort of spiritual healer mm -hmm. type of woman. And they're brought in for a second time or she's brought in a second time because the first time she comes in, it's the neighbor that elicits her to come when the daughter's missing or her and somewhat a colleague, I guess. And then when the dad comes home, he's like, what, the f what is going on? Because yeah. at first, you know, you know, you see him and you think that it's her. Right. Mm -hmm. And then of course, you know, that was a lot. And, you know, he has them leave, he has them leave, but then I find it interesting that he does call her back because I feel like he understands that she is good intentioned and that, you know, she is someone who who does want to help, who does want to heal. Whereas you have the priest who shows up to say he can't do it, but then sits in his car and is praying hysterically and then eventually decides he needs to go in. And maybe is killed because he's not strong enough to face this demon, unlike the spiritual female heal healer. She's not scared at all. I no. mean, like... And also, I do want to say, I feel like they're playing with the phrase black magic in terms of like Creole magic, or I'm not sure how much you know about New Orleans history mm -hmm. with voodoo. And you yeah. get that in American Horror Story Coven with right. the amazing Angela Bassett, who makes that season incredible, in my yeah. opinion. Um, but Hichaba from Salem was um, a woman of color who, like they say, kind of was used by the community as like her immigrant magic, they like thought that she was possessing the the girls. Like mm -hmm. that's the whole plot in the crucible mm -hmm. really comes yeah. from Tichaba. Mm -hmm. Which and I when thought you, that the, mm -hmm. yeah, no go Mary. Yeah. No, I was gonna say, which when you think about it, like of course these people, like they were their slaves at this time in history, or at least being treated still as such, regardless of, you know, everything. But I think that like with her specifically, I feel like and with the healing or with women in general, with the Salem witch trials, a lot of it was I feel like these women, these slave women had their traditions and, you know, homeopathic remedies that they had already had. And now they're bringing, you know, they're practicing it and using it. And people are like, oh, my God, this works. And they're like, oh, my God, it's witchcraft. Yeah, well, because it's like Native American a, a medicine. Slave woman made it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's not the Western culture, right? And like that's what I thought they did really well in this movie is that Western culture doesn't always have the answers, mm -hmm. and we should be um, combining. Yeah, we should mm -hmm. be combining whatever is good for the community. Mm -hmm. Again, I feel like if anything out of that movie, I learned about the power of community mm -hmm. and. Well, wait, can we talk about when Reagan appears? Um, because that's when I cried. I thought it was. I just brought everything together. So mm -hmm. beautiful when like 
Chris says, oh, Victor, is that you? And then, I mean, I knew it wasn't Victor. I was no. like, no, I think that's Reagan. Yeah. Um, and that's beautiful. again, but like there was such a heart at the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, even though, yes, Catherine's brought to hell, there's still like this. And Angela is going through her own tragedy of like her friend not being there. I mean, she's not okay. Um, they all have to, Literally like the Haiti earthquake. They have to come up from the rubble. Mm-hmm. Like we're back again from the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie, but it's a different earthquake that's happened. Um, but like, what did you think when Regan and Chris reunite? It was perfect. It was needed. It was a nice little, you know, like cherry on top of the Sunday. Mm-hmm. Even though I would prefer to have Catherine alive in my Sunday, but you know, that's... I know, me too. You know? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that really bothered me. That stayed with me. Yeah. Yeah. With me. yeah. But I did think like for them to kill off one of the dot like girls was actually pretty smart mm-hmm. in the sense that the audience can't believe it happened. Right, exactly. Everyone's like, no <laughs> one's gonna they're not gonna die. Yeah, of course not. I mm-hmm. didn't and yeah. Okay. So our final thoughts on a scale of one to ten, each of you. Okay. One being Hell, no, <laughs> the lowest of low of movies in your list. 10 being, I will return to this probably in 30 years. Like a Halloween, for example. Like in that caliber of horror. Um, where do you put the nun to and where do you put the exorcist believer? Hmm. Janine. Okay, nun to, I would put, uh, I liked it. A little bit, but then after we saw The Exorcist, it kind of went down. <laughs> so none two, I'd probably put at about a four. And Exorcist Believer, maybe about an eight. I really enjoyed it. How about you, Mary? Hmm. I don't know. I kind of feel, well, I don't know. See, I, between the two demons, I prefer Valak. Because okay. Valak's more in your face. You know who he is. Kind of no bullshit. Whereas this demon doesn't want to tell you who he is. He's kind of keeping himself secret. You know, I liked both. I loved them both. Um, I don't know, but I think with a lot of the religious connections and like that fascination for me, which is why I probably like the nun too a little bit more. I also like the female heroine. So, I mean, like, that was also more nudging me that way. Um, And like I said, with the exorcist, the whole, like, it seemed like the baptism thing was, like, what decided. And just dragging a child to hell, again, for me, will never sit right with me. And I'm just, like, the fact that there are Catholics out there who do believe that irks my soul. Because I'm like, then have you been paying attention in religion class? Mm-hmm. I see. I got okay. you. Okay, wait. So, what are the scores? So, right. my scores Don't would be: I would put, <laughs> I would put the Exorcist Believer at seven, okay. and I would put the Nun at seven point five. Like they're neck and they are close. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, Mister. Oh, okay. You're up. The Nun two. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put at a three. Okay. Um, but it's not as. Yeah, I'll put it at a three. Um. And then I would say the Exorcist Believer, I'm gonna put out a nine. Nice. I'm putting it up there with the Sixth Sense. 
Wow. That's one of my that's, top. That's one of wow. my top. The sixth sense is like my 10. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's. And then I would say like the lowest of low for me would be a, um, like the gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> like, or you even hate that like, movie so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like where I what just don't do even understand why I needed to watch this. <laughs> the other night we went to the movies. It's okay. You can call me. Sorry. But um, yeah, so. I will say, Mary, as we end, I need to know, like, is there anything from True Crime and Academia on your show, like where you've covered an exorcism case or like, are people still practicing, like doing exorcisms? Yeah, actually around like the 50s, 60s and 70s, there seemed to be a couple of different cases that occurred. Um, many in which, because, you know, as most people know, exorcisms are deadly. Um, most of those people did die. Um, however, the majority of them, it did turn out that there was some sort of mental illness that wasn't being dealt with that got more and more severe as time went on. Plus in a lot of these cases, people were not being fed properly or given, whether it was because the person themselves were refusing it or they were being told not to give it to them, you know, as a means of driving out the demon. So for that reason, like, obviously they're deadly and that's not okay. Um, but yeah, nothing like this. Like there's never been <laughs> in the true crime world, a case of an exorcism where it's like, oh my God, they magically came out of it and everything was fine. Usually there is some sort of mental illness attached however there is a new show on netflix i think that just came out that is about or maybe it's hulu it's called like the devil inside me or something like that and it's about different people individuals who've committed murder and said that they were possessed by the devil when they did that um a lot of people are really freaked out by it i'm a little skeptical just it sounds like a convenient alibi because, right? yeah yeah, but... yeah. You and know, then, there's and then a I get possessed by the yeah, devil. Yeah. You're like, well, what happened, Andrew? Yeah. You're possessed. <laughs> yeah, there was one famous case. I don't. I'm not sure if it was Amneville. There might have been a case even before that, actually, where that defense of I was possessed by a demon was actually used in trial. I don't think it went anywhere, but the fact that it was used made it like gave an opening then for people to use that as an alibi and as a credible alibi for that yeah. matter. And just to let you know, that was uh, uh, Lorenz's question. So right. Lorenz yeah. from our Scream discussion, everyone. Hey, um, and is there any true crime in academia? I know you have an urban legends episode that everyone should listen to, right, Mary? Mm -hmm. It's okay. on Patreon. On our Patreon. I mean, coffee, $5 please. a month. Yes. Give Mary I'm up, to, two, I'm up to like two to three cups a day now, people. <laughs> I can't afford it on my own. Yeah. Yeah. You need money for like your ground coffee so you can make a whole pot because we need a lot of caffeine. Um, so yeah, you can find that on Patreon. Um, any oh, your book club choice too, because um the first week of November, we're gonna have our book club and it's only four dollars to join each one, or you can join both for ten dollars and get access to all our videos on Patreon and audio episodes. So what is your book? Because that kind of ties into this theme. So we are reading Haunted Asylums, Sanatoriums, and Prisons by Jamie Davis. Yeah. 
my copy has almost come in. So don't worry, I'll pose with it by the time this has come out. As everyone knows, I like to pose on Instagram. Um, so I will say like, you know, if you ever do any exorcism episode, let us know. Um, and I am curious, have you ever seen Poltergeist? Mary? I have not. I've seen okay. bits and pieces here and there, but I have not actually sat and watched the whole thing from beginning to end. Because it's not at all the Valak, the mm -mm. Valak demon and devil. It's more in line of like what I would say the exorcist believer. Like I would say the exorcist is not at all like this new exorcist. Mm -hmm. Like they don't fit right. in the same religious no. vein. No. And I would say I the Podergeist is more like what you've been critiquing about the exorcist believer is more why I like Podergeist and why I like this movie mm. is because I don't want to know the source of the demon. Like I don't want to know who the devil is. Yeah, I want I'm it to nosy. be an unknown source. So we might have to like all come back and discuss Poltergeist in the great. winter. Because I want an excuse to watch it. I haven't seen it, it in a long time. Yeah, I remember great. it being really good. Oh, and like the woman who comes in with her voice, she's mm -hmm. like, she's an amazing. Right yeah, she's an amazing. Yeah, she's it. just such a good presence in yeah. the film. Um, so yeah, well, you know what? We'll all come back and talk about Poltergeist. Um, and yeah, I love everything that, you know, Janine, you said, Mary, this has been great. Um, and everyone out there, like, give us your thoughts. DM us on Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime and Academia. Um, come to the Soapbox. If you're in the New York City metro area, it's a nice visit. Um, and also they have a website online and you ship, right? Sweet. Oh, okay. It's yeah, yeah. Um, Yep. And you're on Instagram. Um, Instagram. And Mary, make sure everyone, you know, follows True Crime and Academia and follow Ivory Tower Boiler Room. And we have a few more gothic episodes coming in November. So I'm not done. Like I said, we'll probably do Poltergeist in the winter. That'd be fun. Um, oh, and let us know if you want us to watch Poltergeist like we did with Scream, where we actually watch it with you minute by minute mm -hmm. and discuss it in real time, which is, I thought it was fun, Mary. Mm -hmm. Like it it's was. a different experience. Um, For sure. Okay. Well, thank you all. Happy demonic possessions. Stay away from... TVs. Yeah, some tonight. Uh, yeah, stay away from dark tunnels in the woods. Um, I don't recommend <laughs> it. Um, okay. Bye, and I never recommend going anywhere in the woods. Yeah, yeah. Don't go in the woods by yourself. Or True crime friends know that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Okay. Okay. Happy hauntings. Bye. Okay, Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby. I want to thank you so much for listening to the ITBR and TCIA episodes. Make sure if you don't follow, rate, and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure you follow ITBR on TikTok and Instagram at Ivory Tower Boiler Room and TCIA on TikTok and Instagram at True Crime and Academia. Also, we have a brand new Patreon membership system. So I just want to explain it to you all quickly. So if you want to become an ITBR student, it is $5 a month. You get ad-free ITBR and TCIA episodes and video interviews. If you want to become an ITBR professor for $10 a month, you get all of those ad-free benefits, but 
you also get access to both the ITBR and TCIA book clubs. You can join both book clubs, get ad-free episodes, plus you're going to get all of our extra video episodes. So I am re-watching Queer as Folk. Christian Garcia from That Old Gay Classic Cinema is joining us, and he's re-watching Smash. Um, Mary is going to start to re-watch shows as well. You even get access to what I'm calling the ITBR teaches. So if I'm recapping a movie or a TV show, including Barbie, um, Halloween movies and horror films, you get access to that as well. And then I also am offering consultation services. So for $30, you get your first initial consultation with me. It's a one hour private Zoom. I will help create a, your podcast, your media brand. How do you navigate academia as an undergrad or a grad student? Do you need help with technology? It could be teaching tools, Spotify for podcasters, video editor so software. Do you want to expand your social media presence as an artist, writer, podcaster, or academic? Do you want help on how to create a public humanities identity like I've created for myself? So I now I'm offering that consultation service. You can find more info about it on Patreon. And you also can join our book clubs. If you want to just join the ITBR book club or the TCIA book club, you can do that for $4 a month. Patreon.com backslash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Thanks to the team, Mary DePippi, our chief contributor. And thank you to our two new interns from Stony Brook University, Jonathan and Sarah. Bye, everyone. Until next time.